Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here today, and this is going to be really fun for me, but um, I'm interviewing my, my love, John. This is John Kellogg, everyone. Welcome. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for uh, having me. So we did this before with Facebook Live, and it was really, really popular, and people submitted us questions. But I think the reason people liked doing it is that um, there's all this talk about race, and it's not John's favorite subject. So, um, but he's, he does things that I ask him to because he's very sweet. But um, people had a lot of questions, especially when we got on the live and they wanted to, that, you'd be amazed the stuff that was coming out of people's mouths, wanting to talk about, uh, we're talking about being black in America. And that was a lot of questions. Yeah. And then since then, since we did the Facebook live, so we decided we would do it for the podcast. And we never knew, like when we headed into this, like four months ago, it's been a stressful four months, has it not? Yeah, a little bit. We've all kind of aged a couple years more than when, before it started. Yeah, so if you think that he looks 29, he used to look used 19. To, yeah, I was like, wait, I'm like a baby. His, so his theory is he had a 16-year-old uh, birth mother, and he has this theory that because he had a 16-year-old mother, he's going to look young forever. No matter what he does. No, right? that I was, yeah, that I would always have a baby face because when she had me, she was super young, and and so it kind of like translates over to me in the womb somehow, and uh, it just made sense when I heard that. I was like, oh, you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna run with that. Cause, it was actually yeah, in the back of an Uber that, that our someone Uber told driver us this told us. theory. Because yeah, he he had the same experience. He said his mom was in her early twenties when she was born, when he was born, and. And uh, so he was just like, I forget where else he learned it from, but he just said that. And I was like, He's like, I have, a, I have a baby face too. Yeah. Because I feel like every time I, we meet someone, the people kind of size us up. And, and I think that they're looking at the race difference, but I, I, I don't care about that. <laughs> and we'll tell our story too. We'll make sure we tell our story before we wrap this up, because that's one of the things that people wanted to know. Um, but, you know, I assume when people look at us that they're going, wow, there's a big age difference there. <laughs> And so what I say is, sometimes I just preempt it, and I'm like, he's older than he looks. All in your mind. <laughs> so he is turning 40 this year, and let's just start with what happened this last Saturday. So since we did this Facebook Live, right. and I said, hey, let's do this formally, record it for, you know, for the podcast, right. because race issues are on everybody's mind. Everybody loves race right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but it's bringing out, we're having a conversation, like the best thing that could happen here is you have a conversation, and could we just put this thing to rest already? Well, it's got a long ways to go. I mean, America, I mean, it's, it's been around for a long time, um, sort of the, the underbelly, you know, in, in America, like it used to be a lot more prevalent, and it's, you know, you over mean racism. Time, yeah, racism. So over time, it's become less and less significant, I think, because anytime we go out in public, and this is in Utah, like, it's not the most diverse place in the world. But no, it's still, super white here. Yeah, you still you go out on a Saturday and you still see everybody intermingling and they're from all walks of life, all different cultures and backgrounds. And you see everybody out and about mingling and stuff. So I'm like, you know, that's when you know that we're being played um to say the least uh, against each other because i'm like it doesn't matter where you go when i'm in california or new york or any other place in chicago that i've been to everybody interacts 
that's America. We don't we have We all choice. have friends of all races. Yeah. I mean, we don't all, we? Yeah. And I, I would say pretty much everybody likes each other. Because if it was really that overtly racist, you would see people out in the streets, like, getting after each other for, for you know, their race or racial uh, beliefs, you know? And that's not to say it doesn't happen. No, I'm not. Yeah, because exactly. our adopted son, I'm Jake. it's not there. Our adopted son, Jake, is in <laughs> yeah. Illinois this summer. He's, he's black. He's 26 years old. And my children brought him to us and said he, needs, he doesn't have a mom. And so he's just my adopted son. Um, and he, he's been run out of town. And there's a woman who's yeah, so sweet. Sad. This woman made a big sign the next day, and he had already been run out of town by just one or two jackasses, right? It's, yeah. I don't think they represent any giant group of people. No, just people she carried this out. Black Lives Matter sign, and we'll, we'll get into Black Lives Matter because what John thinks about this, I think, is really important, and you can find lots and lots and lots of conservative Black Americans saying very similar things on Facebook. He's not even on Facebook, but he's researched all this stuff, and he knows what Black Lives Matter it matters is as an organization that I don't think most Americans, I don't think those people out marching the street know. But let's start with what happened this last Saturday. So um, our city of Park City, Utah, just threw down a mandatory mask yeah. mandate. And right. you went to the gym. You didn't know it was the first day of that. No. So tell us what happened. So I went in there and um, was totally caught off guard by it when I walked in and the girls at the desk were like, oh, you have to wear a mask now. And I was like, I do? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, I just couldn't, my, I mean, it's still early in the morning, so my brain is just not firing. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I grabbed the mask and walked away after I checked in. And, and as I'm getting towards the stairs to go up to the where my work Because that's what you do at Costco. You take right. the mask and you never and, put it on. Ever. No, no. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it around my ears, just wear it there, but around my chin. But I don't put it on because I like to breathe. So, ironic, ironically enough. To work out. You might need <laughs> oxygen. Right? Well, this is the popular saying, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. So, let's not breathe. So, so uh, I go and uh, I'm walking upstairs and the girl yells at me to put my mask on. I'm just like, I got it right here. And she's like, you have to wear it. <laughs> so, I'm like, whatever. Like, so, right from the get-go, I was just completely you not having to do it. it. I'm not having it. Uh-uh, because I'm trying to get healthy in the gym, not trying to hurt myself. So I get in there, warm up, do, start doing my workout. And uh, when one of the staff comes up to me and she's like, you need to wear your mask. And I was like, well, I'm not going to because it, it affects my breathing and I'm trying to get a workout in. And they said for exercise, I had read an article on it um, that said you can do it for exercise. Because once I went upstairs, I was like, well, I better read up on what they said about this so see if there's any loopholes like you mean like the gym's you know, policy yeah like the gym's policy what it is and so they i read a part where it says you can you don't have to wear it for exercise uh that was in an article so anyway so the girl was just being all defiant with me and telling me i gotta wear it i gotta wear it i gotta wear it and i'm just like no i'm not and she's like well fine i'm gonna call the cops go call the cops please so they did <laughs> and so they did and I waited and waited and waited and I extended my workout for like an extra 15, 20 minutes and no police ever showed. Cops never confronted you. Never so what's interesting me. is, so he comes home and he tells me this and he told me that the cops showed up because he saw him out in the parking lot and the cops showed up and um, they weren't wearing masks. He wasn't. It was one guy. He wasn't oh, wearing one. a mask. And when I was, uh, so I 
so basically at the end when uh when i was you know just about to leave on my own anyway the girl came up and was like you don't have to wear your mask today but you have to wear it going forward i was like okay whatever and just being all defiant and then um when i so i i left a couple of minutes later oh, and then still out there yeah well so so he was already in his car but when i was leaving the gym i still had the mask so i was just returned it to him i was like here you guys can use this i, I never don't need touched it, it. <laughs> you gotta rub their <laughs> of course you had to rub their face in it he, the crazy thing is you have to understand about john he's not one to rub people's faces and things he's no, not, I'm not a rabble rouser he's much more a rule follower than i am but i yeah. think we're to that point we're angry enough that we're you know taking more risks and and committing these like acts of minor civil disobedience right. so he goes out of the parking lot he sees the cops so what's interesting is he came home and told me this story and he and i was just like oh it's i think it's because the cops showed up and he wasn't wearing a mask he probably doesn't want to enforce unconstitutional rules you know like emma when she was living with us for a long time she um she one of her friends because they were running up they were doing business all over the place during the lockdown and one of her friends who's a really assertive guy called up the sheriff's department here all in right. park city and he told us that the sheriff's department was like we're not enforcing this and so i just think all right. oh, the thousands of small businesses that were shut down and they were never going to enforce it because the sheriff takes an oath to uphold the constitution and these aren't laws okay these are not laws that there's no legislature meeting saying now everybody has to wear masks so they are their rules nobody really has to follow them nope. now they could still make your life miserable and they yeah. could take you to jail they won't be able to book you they won't be able to keep you there but anyway so my assumption was when you came home and told me that story is I was like, oh, it's because the cop just was like, I'm not going to, don't, don't call me here to get in some guy's face who's trying to lift weights that he's not wearing a mask and wouldn't do it. So that's what I assumed. So then um, night before last, when we met up with our friends in the restaurant. They said, oh, it's, it's because you're black. <laughs> I had not thought of that. I just started laughing. I was like, what? I, we, we were almost like speechless. Like, had you thought of that? Uh, could have I, I did a little bit like I wonder if it's you know because there's because I'm the only one that looks like me in there for sure and so I was thinking that then I looked around I didn't I saw one other girl not wearing a mask and then my buddy that I was with he wasn't wearing his either you so took I feel like, off. yeah I felt like I was I was making a statement and, and people were following me because they knew like hey this this we sh we don't have to do this I'm trying to work out the one girl's on the treadmill why would she wear a mask? She was on the. Run? She was running on the treadmill with a mask. Yeah. And when you, when this happened with you, she took. And I it know off. she saw. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because I know she was wearing it. Because I know after the confrontation with the staff that she wasn't wearing it again. And so. And I think this is exactly where we are in America. Like mm -hmm. we don't, we don't really want to be the get one who gets in trouble. We're starting to get mad, and we don't want to run on a treadmill wearing a mask and decreasing our oxygen by up to 40%. Right. So I just want to point out that story of what's what happened on Saturday. You're talking about canceling your gym membership now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to freeze it. But like, I know, I know one thing they, maybe they weren't looking at me specifically, but I don't, I stand out easy enough for them to look at me first. I'll put it that way. Cause they, she didn't talk to anybody else. And really? I know other people out there is down there low, like on around their chin and everything like that. Well, I so think, I, I think what I, our neighbors were I implying, know. I don't think it was full tilt racism but it, it's just conveniently easy to point me out yeah but i think what our neighbors were saying is cops are afraid to take <laughs> on a black american yeah i wish he would have came upstairs i was really hoping that he would um just 
just so I could have the discussion with the guy. You were almost looking forward to it. Yeah, I really. That's why I hung out. I stayed there seriously, like an extra twenty minutes, just waiting for him, and he never showed up. Okay, so let's let's talk. Let's just go to the big question, which is, and this is the thing I think will surprise people. So, John turns forty um, in September, and so there's the answer to your question. If you're wondering how old he is, <laughs> and uh, tell me, have you been in the probably the whitest state in America? And you were raised in Orem, which oh, has wow. got to be the whitest city in america you were raised there in a family that was like the united nations he has siblings who are he's one of 14 children he has siblings who are indian and asian black white latino um your mom's german your your dad is you know the white guy american regular white guy so um have you been the victim of institutional racism or repeated racism in your life in 40 years uh no not that i am aware of and i've never where it was so overtly obvious that i was like hey you know what that's racism like well you should know that his his uh job is he does sales Mm -hmm. and he has to be he has to go up to someone's house to a stranger's home and be admitted into their home to do some testing of their water and sell them a really expensive product and he's one of the top three for closing sales and you've never come home and said no anything about somebody being racist or whatever yeah, and you're, knocked you're on their closing doors. sales in white utah yeah i'm knocked on doors and all that um don't like like i've never the only because racism racism is here in utah like honestly like if you know mormon history it was really like the last stronghold in the country of public discrimination because the church didn't allow black men to have the full membership um, with their priesthood until 78 yeah, Mormon or LDS. They prefer to be called LDS. Yeah, no um, offense, but sorry. Well, well John, I mean, I was raised John it, went so. on an LDS mm-hmm. mission to New York yeah. City, so just so you know. Right, and so, I mean, if you if you think about it, Utah was one of the last places in the country, probably the last, where it was still an institutionalized um, uh, law, right? You mean the Jim or, Crow law type, type of laws were still on the books in Utah, the latest? Uh, no, because they all ended in '64. Because that's national. Yeah, because yeah. but the Mormon Church is Utah. Like oh. this is the home of it. Black people know? couldn't like, have the priesthood right. until 1978. And so here, there's so much. Mormon Church is an institution. It is a. Uh, <laughs> it is a, a. It's a culture out here. It's like you know, like where I, when I grew up, it was 90 percent LDS. And so, and, and that's not a bad thing or anything like that. In the town but, that he right, grew up in. the town where I was at. They're very religious, good people. Um, and so that there was a culture of it because I had, there were people that I worked with in my first job who left the church because their parents were so racist. Hmm. One of my, my, my father-in-law, my former father-in-law, who is, rest in peace, um, had not seen a black man until he was 20s from yeah. Juab County, Utah, which is probably even whiter than Orem, but he had yeah. not seen a black man until he went to Salt Lake once when he was it's 20. Lot, and it, A lot more spaced out. Yeah, and there's no internet, so he just, he, he was just like. <laughs> I, had, I had nephews that were, or not nephews, my brother-in-law, some of his relatives, they had never seen one either, and the, these kids were 13, 14 years old, and they, they saw us, <laughs> me and my brothers, and they're like, just staring at you yeah, like we've never headlight. seen like, completely shocked so they adopted so his family adopted two more black boys after john and i've heard your mom say you know we got these boys for johnny <laughs> but um 
yeah so and and i've been on the flip side of that that i went into a little village in um in africa where white people never went in and i took some of the kids with me because their uncle was with them and he, he came with us so they were all safe and and we took them back to where we were staying and we played in the pool with them and we ate in a restaurant with them and it was super fun because they'd never seen ice before they'd never shaken they'd never seen a salt shaker they went crazy with the ice and the salt shaker and just eating food served in a restaurant all of it was foreign so it was super fun this is back when we had ipads but the little girl we took this little three-year-old girl from the village and she sat at the pool the boys wanted to play in the pool and she wanted to touch my skin and touch my hair she couldn't stop touching my hair and my skin because it's just different like she never experienced it and that kind of you know you you did experience one situation of overt racism when you were a kid right that reminds me of this mm -hmm. um yeah i learned where uh when i was fourth grade um first year of playing kickball with the older kids and the one of the best kickball players he kicked a, a pop-up and i went to catch it I actually didn't catch it which is annoying because oh like i could have rubbed it in that much more but like he would always hit home runs so that's why he, he so he got mad he's all stupid n-word and and uh that was like ignorant young kid but you were shocked that. you had never heard that right? i hadn't either i was like I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve or anything like that, but in my mind, I was sitting there like, well, that was, you know, shitty. Because, <laughs> like, just playing a game, you know? Did you have to go and look up what that word meant? Uh, no, I, I had known. I had heard it before. But no but, one had ever said it but around But it was you. never, no. No, <laughs> nothing like that. So, I mean, uh, one of my buddies I was talking to, we were talking about racism, and he was, and he was like, because he grew up in Southern California in the 80s and the 90s, like, when it was real, like, in in santa Ana, and he was like he's like i he's like if you can remember a racist encounter you didn't really you didn't live racism like like because if you can remember it it's because it the rest so of the singular. time you yeah it was so singular like the rest of the time your life was normal you didn't have anybody to and you really just have that one with. story right now it's fourth grade until we did the so, facebook live i'd never even heard this story when i when i when i tell a story that he hasn't heard he's like i don't know that story about your life how do i not know this but we you know he, he pulled that one out on the facebook live and i thought he was going to tell what he's told me and others which is i i don't really experience racism like yeah. my my younger brothers they they had it more intense than i have um, but even them, for them, it's like still kind of memorable moments too, because the rest of the time, everybody loves them. Everybody loves us. They love being around us. They love hanging out with us. Everybody wants to have the black friend, you know, <laughs> when you're in the, when you have like, you know, when everybody else is white, you want to have that token black guy friend, you know, oh so everybody's God. like, oh, wow, I'm friends with John, I'm friends with Corey, like, oh, Richard, like the, all, you know, those are all of our, uh, our names. And so, you know. That's what I say. Did like, you feel that way when you were a kid that you were everybody's token black friend and so you like have some kind of like superstar yeah, status? Yeah, and now and I'm light. Like you see how fair I am. Like people would still be pretty stoked about me, but my well, younger somebody brother, said yeah, that like everybody loved him. He's a super athlete. Yeah, he was a super athlete. And he's also somebody brought this up in the Facebook Live. Someone said, and I loved how like because they were on the internet and they didn't say this to our face, they said stuff that people just right now in 2020, it was almost refreshing. Like, just say it, man, just ask the question. We're here mm -hmm. to talk about race. And somebody said, well, John, if you haven't been a victim of, of racism, it's because you're not, right, you're not, not black, black enough. enough. <laughs> That's what someone said. So, someone said, it's because you're not black enough. And Corey and Richard are much darker skinned. Right. But it goes reverse too. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, so 
Um, but, and then someone said, actually, no, my husband's Nigerian and he's as black as black people get and everybody loves him. And so someone mm -hmm. kind of said the same thing you did, but I think your fourth grade story, what it shows mm -hmm. is that if you, so, so this kid, did you ever, do you ever call you the N word again? Did you no, continue going and, to school? That, with? Yeah, that was the thing. So, um, so years later we were on the same tackle football team and, um, always cool always got along i i probably honestly i don't even know if he would have remembered him saying that but, but, but so that's the thing you became friends but yeah we became friends like it was in junior high we were totally fine like i would say what's up talk he didn't live that far from me like so what's the moral of the story here the moral story is it's just something taught like racism mm -hmm. is it's something you learn it's a it's a word and a language and a thought that you learn from those who are older than you um who pass that poison on to their kids Yep, he must so, have got that from his parents. Because yeah. who's, who's saying that or in fourth neighbors grade? Or, yeah, Unless their parents taught him that, which is, so I think there's vestiges of racism. They're dying out because, you know, because my parents, when I was growing up, their big thing was you do not date, you don't date black boys. <laughs> and um, they don't say a word now. Like, you know, they know that they don't have any choice. But I, I honestly think they don't, like, they just know it's not okay to be that way anymore. But they're, my parents, you know, they're on their way out of this world. And it's not okay for people my age at whatsoever. Like, it's not okay to be racist anymore. And we all grew up in desegregated schools. That's the difference. You know, we grew up in desegregated schools. So I went to elementary school and junior high school with and some of my closest friends were of every race. This was like, just not even a thing for us. And, right. and so, so, so you were on the Snoopies. Well, I, there was, yeah, I think there was I'm people of all different. Yeah, I question about that ass. <laughs> that's like his thing. And also that I grew up in Virginia, he'll lapse into a Southern plantation, Virginia. Uh, Are you going to do it? A Civil War, Virginia, gentlemen. <laughs> so I just don't say that I'm from Virginia <laughs> yeah. to people when I'm around him or he'll lapse into a, some Thomas Jefferson invitation. But um, so... So I think the, that's the moral story, but the other moral story is if you know black people, then it's really hard to be racist to other people to you. Now they're just, you know, people. Instead of, you know, like my parents have a thing with gay people too. And I always, the way I explain it is because my mom was literally writing um, these like horrible editorials literally six and eight years ago in the Daily Herald about how she should be allowed to discriminate against gay people in her rental property or whatever and and oh people would write me and be like is this your are you related to this person I'm like that, that's that's my mom but um and and I, I would just explain it not to excuse her but i would just tell people she doesn't know any gay people that she knows of like she doesn't know and that's the thing it's like if you know gay people you can't be homophobic anymore because if you know and love a gay person it changes the whole game that's what your buddy who ended up being your good friend like he couldn't continue on with his parents' racism because he had a good friend who was a person of color. Mm -hmm. So like, that's what I think we get, we get from it. Um, so talk about Black Lives Matter because people don't know this and they think that they're so virtuous that they get behind Black Lives Matter as a white person, but you, you don't get behind it. Why? Um, for a few reasons. Uh, number one that sticks out to me the most is that it it um it forces it, it puts black people in this awkward position of being coddled to which is really disingenuous like no like hell no who who likes that who likes going out and someone's like being all super cautious and and all um you call it milk toast 
where they're like sappy and fake um to prove how not racist they are right and then you're just like you're so now you're going the whole opposite direction you're totally being counterintuitive to what you're overdoing it yeah exactly and it's like i don't need that like i'm not going to talk to you any different way be you know even if you're talking to me weird like that i'm still going to be me and so i think it's really disingenuous um to any person of color especially you know black americans now um because blm is a worldwide thing so so that's one thing is you don't like how condescending it is to keep making a thing about it when we went through like the whole civil rights era and like like black people won this war like we we changed all the laws and we are all everything you're black people have all the opportunities that we do i'm not saying there's not systemic systemic racism in some places right and and who knows maybe maybe uh what's his Chauvin killed Floyd because he's black. We have no evidence that we don't know that no one's presented any evidence of that. Why do we assume that that's super weird to assume that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they, and then once, once the news cycle went through, everybody found out, Oh, they actually had a history together. They've been friends for years. Yeah. It was no sure. It was like 17 years. They had known each other and interacted. Right. Which really Something makes like you that. wonder about the whole thing, whether that mm-hmm. whole thing, why it happened. Yeah. If it happened, yeah, it's, the, it's crazy. It's uh, the 9-11 of 2020. Yeah. And that's the way I view it. Um, but there's a politics of BLM, too, that you, right, you taught me about it long before this whole thing happened. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us about that. Uh, that it's a, a corporation. It's BLM, capital BLM, uh, Inc. Um, so it's, it's a business. It's a 501c3. And so folks who folks are able to donate money to it and it funnels down to the uh, democratic party where it goes to their nominees and their campaigns. Biden right now is their number one donor. So, and it's no small amount either. No huge sums of money. So are they, is black lives matter matters um, making money on the backs of black people and then using it for leftist white people who are, creating the race war in the first place that yeah yeah i mean definitely to answer your question it's like they're they're being used as this prop you know to distract everybody and, and bring this smoke screen of of racism and division um, when really the whole movement is being used to generate money for these democratically their democratic uh candidates uh, candidates for the election and so it's like it's sad it's sad to see how much chaos and all this destruction that's happened just so they can generate money to keep their candidate in the race yeah yeah i mean we could go down the rabbit hole of the democratic party and the republican party but i do want to point out that there are lots and lots of conservative black americans including this one yeah and, and it's a bummer because um a lot of people have a good heart like their heart is in the right place like hey yeah i don't i don't want to stand for injustice i'm not going to sit here and, and stand by while you know my people are being you know killed in the street sort of thing um and so their heart's in the right place but unfortunately the people setting up the operation are completely uh taking advantage of them and their cause and using it for uh, you know, for their own reasons. And their it own doesn't purposes. help black people at all. No, because no, <laughs> if, you, if you look into it now, you see what it's, what it's becoming. Um, I don't know if you want to delve into that much, but it's, it's, 
it's uh, I would say it's transitioned a few different in a few different ways from the original protest that happened from the George Floyd uh, killing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think Black Lives Matter should stay as far away from Antifa as it right. possibly can. But yeah, now George, they're linked together. Yeah, you, you're the one who told me that George Soros, who has got to be the number one enemy of the American people, mm -hmm. I think might be he, he should be tied with Kill Bill. Maybe I can't, no, I can't decide. Yeah, I know, right? It's a toss-up depending on the day. Yeah, but who gets more screen time? George Soros isn't an American, but apparently he was funding Antifa. So if that's a shock to you, most of you probably already know that. But it's right. very, very well documented that George Soros Open Society right. is his, you know, charitable giving. But he, he funds all leftist organizations, right. and he has vowed to destroy the United States yeah. before he dies. And he's he's done it around the globe. He's done it into a lot of places. He's done the same thing. But America seems to be the apple of his eye, um, where he's really focusing the most on taking us down and, and causing all sorts of division and chaos. Yeah, it's so weird because it's like, it's like we right here are what he hates, any kind mm -hmm. of racial cohesion. And we don't even like, has it been like an issue with us? Like, has race been an issue with us? Did we get together because we're black and white? Did we get, did, did, did we have conflicts because we're two different races from no. the beginning? No, I mean, no, not at all. You you had uh, never had a, a serious white girlfriend. No. I had never <laughs> I had never significantly dated a black man. No, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, that's the story we're just, sticking to it. You can just, just go to, with that yeah. little whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in a serious yeah. relationship with a black man. Yeah. And well you were and you were married twenty years, like, mm -hmm. you know, growing up and so well, I wasn't married 20 years growing up. I mean, up, not growing up. You know, well, yeah, right. <laughs> I was mostly single when I was a child. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mormon, you know, you don't ask. You never know. Okay, <laughs> the things he's saying cool. about LDS or Mormon people, we are, we our whole families are active LDS, and we love so many things about the culture and the religion. So, yes. um, but uh, so people really wanted to know: Have we experienced any uh, racism as a biracial couple? uh no it's another no no we just we just haven't it's like just not a thing and so when we got together like you want to tell our story really quick um when we met oh when we met sure uh, i'm sure i'll jump in the middle of it yeah, like i show, do yeah <laughs> it's my show dang it yeah <laughs> so um i had went to uh sundance ski resort and they have a really good restaurant that i was at and um getting some uh, some food and a beverage and uh they have live music this is a saturday night and so um i went up there i just went by myself too actually which enough. he never does it's really interesting he went out one night and he had just come out of a three-year relationship and had moved back to utah and he finally felt like like he'd gotten through enough grieving to go out, but he didn't have friends with him, which is funny because he grew up there and has tons of friends down there. He went out by himself, sitting at a table by himself in the room where the music was. And just a little before that, I had seen Robin when I had went into the restaurant and saw her sitting at a table with her friends and she really caught my eye. Caught my eye, babe. And... <laughs> What if you're gonna kiss on here or not? Well, that was not planned. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I just caught my eye, and I was like, "Wow, I'd really love to." You know, if I get a chance to talk to her, I'm I'm going to, because you're with your friends, and I'm not that guy. Like I'm, you know, 
not gonna go up and talk to a bunch of girls like no guy no guy's gonna walk up to the table of women that's not me because you're gonna get shot down had you walked up to me and my six friends i was there with six friends and we were all laughing and carrying on but we're in the next room and and not where the live music was where john was and if he would have come up like it's like some kind of unwritten girl code some dude comes up and starts talking to you or whatever you're gonna be cold as heck to him you're gonna blow him off so hard so good job not coming up and talking to me at the table full of seven women yep and so uh uh so i was i was so i ended up sitting at this table by myself just watching the band and lo and behold robin comes walking through in the room and uh because i was like i haven't even heard the live music Mm -hmm. so i'm like before i go home for that it's getting late before I go home, I want to just go watch the music for five minutes. So I broke away from the pack. <laughs> and, I, and I go walking around the corner right past the little table where John was sitting. I go walking around the corner and I see this guy jump up. Like he yes. jumped yep. out of his chair. So like, 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 like I said, in my mind, I was like, if I get a chance, I'm taking it. So I'm sitting at the table and at my table. And when I saw you, I was like, well, it's now or never. And so that's yeah. probably why you saw me hop up so fast. Cause yep. <laughs> That was my challenge to myself. And he was he was just really, really authentic and you know and, and sweet and but he came up and he started talking to me and I literally just I looked at him and he asked me he asked me a question and I wanted to blow him off. And I almost did. I came this close to blowing him off hard because it was late, I was tired, I wanted to go home. And he but yeah, he was just he had this like just open open look to him just like he was open-hearted like that's all i can describe it as he seems so open-hearted and he has such a nice face and my but i was very resistant i was very resistant because i had a thing like six two like i don't even see guys who aren't aren't six two and also i had sworn off the 30 somethings and i looked at you and i was like he's not even 30 yet (laughs) this guy isn't even 30 yet and i'm like if i ever date again i hadn't dated in a couple years and i wasn't interested in it and i didn't want to meet anyone. Um, it just, I was just over it and, and was enjoying being single, a wonderful life. And I took one look at him and I'm like, you are not even 30 years old, but he was so nice. And we got talking and it was an amazing conversation. And we've, yeah, we, we bonded, uh, cause we really fast cause we have a lot of common ground from how we grew up and living in Utah Valley for as long as we had. And just, you know, a lot of things that we were able to, uh, huge uh, families, yeah. giant families, yeah. and that's totally that caught me by surprise. I didn't expect it to, you know, for you to be that way. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it was awesome. Like we just our whole conversation was just really enjoyable and fun. Next thing I know, you were kissing me. I didn't kiss secrets him. out. <laughs> Somehow that happened. But anyway, so sorry, dude. Okay, <laughs> I don't care. Can't blame. Can you blame me though? <laughs> This face, this face. <laughs> oh gosh. So yeah, we've been together ever since and I was very resistant to him, but you know, the funny thing is when we were in that Facebook live and that came up, you know, um, race was never, it was just like a non thing. Mm-hmm. It was my resistance to him was his age. And my whole thing has always been, I don't want to go around. I don't want to go around with people saying, um, is that your mom or <laughs> I thought that would never happen because we're different races and it actually has happened. 
It actually happened. I was, I was playing tennis with one of my tennis teammates and she said, and I walked over, he was sitting watching us play tennis and I walked over and I went like this. And um, she said, oh, Robin, is this your son? And I was like, this is not happening. And I just said, I just said, I told you if that ever happened, that we, we are <laughs> done. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> he made me what feel a lot better. He what said, we walked off the tennis court and he said, are you going to, are you going to make somebody with lipstick on their teeth make you feel bad? So I'm sorry that he maybe made me laugh by belittling my teammate, which probably wasn't that nice of a thing to do, but it made me laugh and we let it go. And he, he always makes me feel better about that by saying, well, I just look young. You know, he is almost 40. I mean, right? Like he doesn't look 40. <laughs> so um, I think another thing that it has nothing to do with race um, do you have anything else that you want to say about the whole race war that's going on in the United States now or things that you want people to know as a person of color, as a person in a biracial relationship, just how you want white people to treat you? Obviously, you don't want them to be all dripping with proving to you they're right. not racist. Right. I almost feel like the more people do that, the more, show like the more how racist they are. <laughs> Because it's like their their inner thoughts coming out manifesting, and they're just trying to like push. All they back. see is your right. your skin color, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it really awkward for everyone. Um, so just just be yourself. Oh, uh, white privilege! You hate right. that when people start talking about their white privilege. Right. I got. I was thinking. I thought of it in the old school terms. Now I understand the new school terms, and it still doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But. If it's a thing, then it's a thing, because apparently for the younger generation, that's what they want to hold on to for what they consider white privilege. And basically, that just means the privilege of going out and not getting harassed. Okay? I'm pretty sure most people have a pretty good track record of if you keep your nose clean, if you're not, you know, doing stuff that would incriminate you, whether you're white or black or any color, then you don't really have to worry about the cops, you know, pulling you over or anything like that. But that kind of gets overlooked because people are just, you know, way more, it's way more exciting when you think of like, well, if I just look this certain way, there's a really big chance that I'm going to get in trouble. Like, no, you're, a big a big part of you getting in trouble is because you're probably doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, like Joe Biden saying that. that in my opinion. Joe Biden, I know that you feel like he's super out of touch because nuts. not only has he said... Um, <laughs> Well, I'll bring up two things that he has said that I know you find incredibly offensive and, and it makes him look so out of touch with black right. America. He says, if you, you're not black, if you don't vote Democrat, right. How do you feel about that? That's God. I'm not a Democrat. I never was. So I'm just like, Ooh, that's gotta hurt. Like if you, <laughs> if you're a Democrat and, and I can only imagine how belittling that would feel just like how deflating that would feel where it's like, Oh, there's this old school, good old boy you know rich white dude rich white dude just completely trying to just assuming that because he's he's the democrat that i'm with him and he can say whatever he wants oh I, that that would be really frustrating if i was a democrat what's the other thing that he said that's super weird kind of a lot of things i mean you, you only it doesn't take much if you go online and see the videos of him uh just completely groping children in front of the cameras on you know, the C-SPAN when they would, uh, I, I don't know what building they were in, um, but they were doing photo ops with Joe, you know, Vice President Biden. And he's just sitting there just groping children. 
Okay, but I'm talking about some race thing. I mean, so like the behaviorally, that's enough for me to be like, you need you need to not be there, and you need to be behind bars because okay. <laughs> of what he was doing. I know it's a big leap, but it's if you see the video, you could you'll you'll understand why. There's some other so really creepy. out of touch um, race thing that he said yeah, no, that is even not. worse than than you're not black if you don't vote Democrat. It's like not coming to me right now. Yeah. Well, he, he did co-author all those, um, the super predator laws uh, that back in the 90s when Hillary Clinton and uh, Bill Clinton was president. And they were basically... Well, mostly Bill Clinton was president, but yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, she's might as well have been president. Who knows? Who knows who was really calling the shots? Because yeah, what was Bill up to the whole time he's in office? Nobody's, nobody's sure. I know, right? Well, we know some of what he is up to, and there's probably a good chance that his attention really wasn't on, you know, foreign policy and and you know, writing up laws and things like getting approval for people and all, you know, things presidents do because um, he was busy, you know, doing other stuff uh, like Monica Lewinsky, and so Hillary probably was carrying a big load of, you know, what the president's job was doing. Anyway, sidetrack. Um, they they. Uh, they wrote up rules uh, uh, where they called um, they called for imprisoning super predators who were these violent young uh, people, which they just they said everything in the under the sun except black black teens um, by calling you know when they called them super predators and thugs, and Joe Biden loved to say that he was always saying that. Super predators. Super predators. I didn't know about that one. Yeah. You can look I it still up. can't it's, think of the thing. So when I do this last little topic, if you think of the racist. other thing that he did, because I know you have a real opinion on it, I wanted to ask you about, but I didn't put it in my notes. So this has yeah. nothing to do with me and John and the race baiting or the race wars going on in the United States right now, which I felt was important to discuss that we need to be racially united we need to see each other as human beings we can't be denied we can't be divided against each other and stand against the real enemies here right and I, I don't know what i would have done the last four months if it weren't for john he has i've cried more the last four months than in our whole relationship put together i've cried no i have oh i've okay. still i've <laughs> have yet to ever see him cry <laughs> but you've seen me cry an awful lot the last four months and just because yeah. i melt down I melt down just about the the situation that our country is in yeah. and you've been there for me and you're right there with me we we do a lot of research we share resources with each other all the time he and he didn't start doing this because he met me and i'm just like a total information junkie he all, already like he didn't listen he doesn't listen to music he listens to podcasts and he listens mm -hmm. to really cerebral podcasts about you know alternative history and like what really happened Foreign policy things like mm -hmm. that mm-hmm so I really have enjoyed learning from him. And he was telling me stuff, you know, a few years ago that I wasn't ready to hear. He was already deep in the truth movement. And now it's all coming full circle. And I think it's really vindicating for him. And he feels like there's other ways that we can connect now that we're kind of off limits a few years ago. Like he starts talking about 9-11 and I'd be like, la, 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 don't talk to me about that. It sounds like crazy stuff. Well, now I'm like, I'm just listening. I want to listen. I want to learn everything that I possibly can about what pieces of the history of my country um, that I didn't understand before and how can I use it to be part of um, being part of the charge leading leading forward but I just wanted to mention that and this is completely irrelevant but I think that it's important that we 
had a little bet going on starting first of this year. What is it? <laughs> sugar bet. Mm-hmm. No sugar all of 2020. Mm-hmm. So. Are we glad we did it? I'm beyond glad. I'm so I'm so happy that she because uh, she came up with the idea because I was I'm pretty much a I just have a hardcore sugar tooth um, all last year and everything. Yeah, he ate a lot of sugar. I ate a lot of sugar. And then he would feel like crap, and I'd be uh, like, "How about we go January first? We go completely off of sugar." You were never really resistant to it, and no. I think you had months to like think about it before we hit January first and did it. Mm-hmm. And um, it has been the best thing because we didn't know that we were three months away from you know, everybody being panicked about their health and not, we're, we're not at all afraid of the virus, never have been. Um, we were clued into what was really going on way, way early. Uh, we don't, we don't believe there's a virus that is lethal to people like us who take even reasonable care of their body. Um, but you, here's what we've come to the conclusion of. We do not want to be depending on Western medicine right now. No, it's gone from a terrible system Mm -hmm. to a completely broken system um we don't want to have to get all their forced COVID-19 tests we don't want them to have our our blood he won't even go to like 23andMe and give his blood to learn his ancestry for multiple reasons one of them is like I don't want them to have my DNA but you don't want to be you want to be free of the medical system yeah more now than ever before I mean geez if we have electrical I have so many people who are messaging me and saying they're months out from being able to get my child diabetes medications. They're, they're wow. I have people reaching out and saying, I live in an apartment um, and I'm a diabetic and I need my medications and I'm trying to find a generator small enough that I'm even allowed to use it by the HOA. And it just, here's the thing, like we've, we've learned, we know, I, and I've been off of sugar for a year at a time before and I don't eat very much sugar anyway. And it hasn't been hard for me, but I like to do it with someone. Right. Yeah. That makes it way easier. Because mm-hmm. we're watching each other. We're seeing what each other does. So you yeah. can't have like a bad moment and run and get, you know, get, have your stash. Cause you know, I, I know I would know, but <laughs> we learned that like, if you eat sugar for five hours afterwards, your white blood cells, which is the, the crux of your immune, immune system, system mm-hmm. it, your white blood cells are paralyzed for five hours right. and he would eat sugar and sugar and sugar. Yeah. His big thing was, he was like, okay, I think I can live without it all. And I'm like, just, the cookie, there's the cookie bin at Whole Foods Market. Luckily <laughs> yeah. now, well, not luckily, but like they don't, uh, you know, they don't even have it. Like it's in bags. You don't have like the temptation no. to walk past because there's no more food out in the open. But um, his big thing was his creamer and sugar in his, in his coffee. And I was like, so we kind of got him used to here. I was like, well, there's lots of other options that you can use, like use stevia or whatever. And we actually found some Uh-oh. chocolate candy with some, that's all stevia Zero. sweetened. Right. But I don't even eat it most days. I just, yeah. Yeah. And I like the, uh, for my coffee creamer, they have like this oats, it's like oat milk based and there's like no sugar in it. And really for me, I think uh, with my, with my coffee creamer, I just like the sugar cause it kind of cuts or not the sugar, but like the sweetness cause it cuts the tart mm-hmm. of the coffee that I drink. And, uh, this oat, this oat milk, uh, creamer, there's no sugar in it nothing i mean it's totally oh completely you didn't tell me that found something and i told him i'm like you know let's just try different ones and see what you find that you can use you could use the droppers stevia and he wasn't excited about that but like i think it's been really exciting for you to do this what what are we we're halfway through the year now like exactly 
because I had done it before and I learned that like, I don't need to reward myself with sugar. I am just as happy. I have just as much fun in my life. When it's off the table, like it's not even a thing. Yeah. Well, now it feels so much better too, because I can sit back and say, I haven't been sick once this year. We have not been on wood, sick for a day. I yeah, not even once. And like, I'm around people. I'm around, you know, people that had had probably COVID before it was COVID. Well, Tennessee. You know? Yeah. Fun. Her son, he, he got sick. Um, right after he was here. And mm -hmm. But I mean, it, could, it was probably just, I'm betting just the flu, yeah. but, you know, or the cold or whatever. But like, you know, everybody, you know, you've been around sick people probably, maybe you didn't know it or not. I, I have been and I knew they were. Still haven't had anything, not even so much as like, you know, a runny nose or anything like that. And I, I know it's from getting getting rid of uh sugar out of my uh my daily food intake uh because last year last year i probably got sick once or so you still but really not, yeah like i haven't been sick a whole lot when i lived in california i would pretty much get sick twice a year like clockwork and and that was like the seasonal weather change you just haven't yeah Ever since then, since I've been up here. I've well, been... and the part of that's too, since we've been together, you've been a lot healthier because yeah. when, when I met him, he, he, I think he thought he had a healthy diet. There was like almost no vegetables in it. But what was so great about John, and it's a lot of why being with John is just really easy. He's a very adaptable, flexible person. Aren't you going to kick in why? Like you always do. Dang it. The Virgo. I'm a Virgo. It's like I'm a Virgo, babe. I'm adaptable. So, um, but you know, he's he just like I handed him his first green smoothie. I think we'd been seeing each other for two weeks or something, and I handed you. I said, "Have you ever had a green smoothie?" And you're like, "I don't know," and I handed it to him, and he just took this hardcore green smoothie, and he's just like, look, 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 set it down, no drama. And I was just like, oh, "Okay, I think I can, I think yeah, I can do this." Keeper. Okay, do this. And and that and that's that's a function of growing up with fourteen children, right? Like there's oh, you yeah. don't you can't not make a stink and make stuff all about you when you're one of fourteen or of eight. No. Like everybody's just gonna be like, get out of here. Who invited no. you into this family, right? No. But I had a theory for a while that his mom just got so busy and so overwhelmed because fourteen children, right? Um, that she just like forgot to vaccinate him and that's why he's so <laughs> healthy. Um, but he he thinks that she probably did do it, but another thing is people born before 1986 so he was like fully vaccinated if he was with with the three shots right. or whatever it was before the 1986 national national vaccine injury and compensation act yeah. but 14 kids and all of us like my youngest brother he's got adhd um but all the rest of us completely healthy like no psychological you had a sibling who died of SIDS like too yeah. and i kind of wonder about where was there shots involved because that's yeah, inflammation in the brain and babies die and they just call it SIDS because they don't they sure don't want to connect that to the shots right. but that's not something i would ask your mom and that was a long time ago but right. yeah i was i always thought like when i even heard what SIDS was i was like how so a baby's asleep perfectly healthy baby right and how did i did they roll over and get caught in the blanket or something or and they, like, they've ruled all that stuff out yeah yeah and that's you know wasn't until i learned about this that i was like oh you know that's i wouldn't be surprised wouldn't be surprised if that was the case but i i hope that all of you and i i think i speak for the both of us i hope that all of you have a partner who is supporting you in this crisis i don't know if we'll still be in the u.s um I don't know if we'll still be in the U.S. at the end of 2020. Um, we're talking about options and what we do and whether we go live in Mexico. And if you would have told me 
you know, four months ago that I would consider a second world country who has a, a super crappy president as a safer place to live than the US, I would have thought you were crazy, but we're involved in it. And you can, you guys can totally ping me and ask me about it. By the time you hear this and you know, possible will already be there, but um, I would not be making it if it weren't for having, you know, um, somebody on my side and John and I have, it's not that we have the exact identical opinions on everything. Um, but having somebody who will hear me out and doesn't tell me I'm crazy or conspiracy theorist or, or throw rotten tomatoes at me like people have. Have I been bullied the last four months or what? Oh, yeah. Especially on day one from the shutdown oh. when you were like, no, 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 no. She was screaming from the, the mountaintops of your Facebook page. <laughs> Dude, don't shut it down. Um, and because you already had a bunch of data that that was showing that this is totally unnecessary. Out of China, and it was accurate data right. saying like point, between 0.04% and 0.12% died in China. And I knew that by February 27th when I started screaming out, nobody in America was ready to hear me. No, and, the, and even, if, even if it had been two weeks, um, you know, it's like, okay. But I knew once that was in that it was like, no, it's not gonna stay two weeks. Then it was, and it was a month. And oh, three, when they said, when they said, just let us shut you down for two weeks while we flatten the curve, and then yeah. they came up with a new story, and there's a new story, and a new story, and a new story to keep right. to keep destroying our economy and destroying and our, us, our country and our immune systems, like and our it, emotional health. Yeah. So now, even with the masks, um, when you got Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox saying, "Just wear the damn mask," like really. Like that's your because rationale. Because you're a good Mormon, he says. Yeah. And he swears at all the LDS yeah. people who don't believe in swearing. And you're, yeah, yeah uh, you follow your faith leaders. And like these days, you really want to trust anybody, because uh, you know, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it's like there's trust your God. Yeah, look yep. to God. Trust and your I, God. Think, trust I think your... we're all getting mm -hmm. far more connected to our source right now, yeah. and it, it's really deepening our um spirituality um as you've heard many people say we we fully agree this is a spiritual battle mm -hmm. and there is a there is definitely a huge uh undercurrent of good versus evil here never thought i'd mm -hmm. see this in my lifetime i know that you feel the same so i hope you have a supportive partner like i do i couldn't be more grateful for john i hope that we've inspired you that that we stand strong against the racial division because it's a load of crap and we don't want anything to do with it but we were willing to have this, you know, a difficult conversation about it where we really look at the, the issues. We are, at the end of the day, just uh, sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, and that's really what matters. And I hope that you have a supportive partner. I hope that you're making new friends. One of the great silver linings in all this is all the new friends that I'm making. Like, lots of new people are coming to Green Smoothie Girl and our, and our new site, Take Action for Freedom, because... Um, you know, a lot of people left in the beginning when I was speaking up and they were like, you must hate grandma and, you know, all the terrible things they said to me. Um, but lots of other people are showing up who want to join together to stand for our freedom because if we don't have freedom, we don't have our health either. So we stand for freedom. We're not, we're not saying we don't want to wear masks because uh, we don't care about other people. We're doing it because no one has shown us any evidence that wearing a mask protects anyone when we're either, we're either not sick or we're asymptomatic, there's absolutely no evidence that people who are asymptomatic spread the virus to other people. In fact, there's lots and lots of evidence that, there, that, that essentially never happens. So 
that's why we're doing it. If it, if, if wearing a mask would save, as a healthy person would save grandma, we would do it. We, we see it differently. We see it as um, a symbol of our oppression. Muzzle, put your muzzle. muzzle on. Keep us separated and divided. So we refuse to be divided over this and we hope for the same for you. So anything else you want to say, babe? Uh, no, that's got everything off my chest that needed to be, so. Okay, <laughs> take care everyone. See you next time.